Hello and welcome to the Live Blissed Out podcast, helping demystify decision-making so you can get unstuck and take action. I'm your host, Marissa Houston, bringing you another blissful episode. Hi, action takers. This is episode eight of the Live Blissed Out podcast. Thanks for joining me. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Our topic for today is mental clutter. And my guest is Jennifer Hanslick. Jennifer helps people with hoarding disorder be free from clutter and shame so they can value themselves and live a better life. She created a hoarding cleanout business called Clutter Trucker 11 years ago. She also created the Colorado Hoarding Task Force and Hope for Hoarding Coaching Program. She spoke at TEDx Boulder and also holds workshops, training, and keynote presentations on the topic of shame, judgment, and hoarding. I'm really excited to have you as my guest, Jennifer. It was so much fun catching up with you recently. Yes, it was so much fun. I think that meeting you the other day, just, it was exciting because when we met years ago, we met in a business group and we were both running businesses. And then after years, we both decided to take something off and spin it a different way. So it was fun to to catch up and just see exactly what both of us have been up to in the past few years. I love reconnecting and catching up and seeing how our lives have transformed in the years that we haven't actually had the time to connect in person. So I really enjoyed it. And I'm thrilled to continue our conversation on my podcast. Me too. I think when we first met, I was running the business that was focusing on hoarding and hoarding behavior in terms of physical hoarding in the house. And then when we started talking, it immediately struck a chord when we started to say that hoarding was very similar to what you were doing in terms of decluttering. And I have the realization that all of us have some type of hoarding tendency. So we can be hoarding money, we could be hoarding on to fear, we can be hoarding on to emotions and all kinds of stuff. So I think this is fun to be able to talk about hoarding in a different context and not just the clutter in the house. I absolutely agree. And it was funny because as we were talking, we both just looked at each other and go, yeah, because we were talking about limiting beliefs that people have about moving forward. And we immediately recognized between us that it was such a common element when we tried to help our customers get past the clutter that was consuming them. And so we were just looking at each other going, oh my gosh, I observed the same thing. And it was so fun to have that dialogue with you. Yeah, it really was. I think over the past, I've really began to take a different view in terms of clutter and what my clients are dealing with because the clutter doesn't start with removing the external things. Helping someone really gets down to internal clutter because it has to start from the inside before you can even start to begin to focus on the external things. So that part is fun. Could you share what your observations are in terms of how people manage their internal clutter? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, I've learned so much in the past uh, in terms of internal clutter. And a lot of it is just becoming keenly aware on our thoughts. So I have learned that we are not our thoughts. Sometimes the amount of thinking that people do, they're thinking, thinking, it can get in the way of making big progress because 
you identify with your thoughts and then you can get into all kinds of trouble. That's one thing. And then I think I also mentioned hoarding in terms of your emotions. So that is a big thing that a lot of people don't realize, but emotions in the body, the sensations that people get in the body can have a big impact on your life, on your limiting beliefs. So I think it's having the connection between your brain and your body and really balancing out your brain and getting in harmony with that. Because if you start to listen to all of your thoughts, they might drive you crazy. And if you don't have awareness around those thoughts, it can lead to some troublesome moments. So how do we overcome that? How do we recognize that that is something that is a bottleneck in our lives, basically something that's stopping us from moving forward? And how do we then turn around and say, okay, what do I do about it? Yeah, that's such a good question. So I think first and foremost, it's having the awareness of your thoughts and really paying attention to it. And, you know, I heard this on another podcast and I actually do it and it sounds a little bit crazy at first, but this woman explained how she would label her thoughts and name them. So for example, throughout her day, like if she was preparing for something and that voice in her head, it turned to worry, she would call it, she would call it a name and she would call it Wendy the Worrier. And then she, <laughs> it was so cool because she would just say, hello, like, all right, Wendy the Worrier, I don't need you to worry about this right now. I'm trying to do this. So she would acknowledge it label it and then move on. And she would have them for everything. She would have like analyzing Amy or judging Judy because sometimes that voice in your head, those thoughts in your head, if you let them get out of control, you can go down the rabbit hole and it won't do you any bit of good. So it's having control over your mindset and control over your thoughts. But I think one really important thing that I learned was to just acknowledge it and name it and then move on. I don't even remember where I heard this, but I did watch something somewhere that said that we as human beings actually have multiple personalities in terms of how we want to project ourselves. So for example, think about when you're talking, like in this podcast, you're worried sometimes, and this is very natural about saying the right thing or being useful or being of value. And so you want to put your best foot forward. Whereas when you're by yourself doing something, you may be a different personality, or maybe when you're standing in front of an audience, you come across as something different. Maybe you're more introverted in certain areas, more extroverted in others. And we do tend to put ourselves in these situations because we're conscious. We are aware and we want to put out a certain impression in the environment that we're in. Do you find that that happens? Oh yeah, I do. I do. And it's really uncovering the motivations around it. You know, it's like, it's really getting to the heart of why you're doing what you're doing and then just acknowledging it. So you can become different people. And sometimes that's not always a good thing. I mean, sometimes you may not be in agreement with that person that's showing up, but you're doing it based out of fear. So I'm afraid of something. So I'm showing up in a certain way and it doesn't feel right. And that's that thing that you have to really connect with that in yourself to where if something isn't feeling right and you're doing it anyway, then you have to just really get honest with yourself and either make that change just so that you stay in alignment with your true self and not that other voice in your head that's comparing 
yourself to somebody else that's not feeling worthy, that's not feeling validated. All of those voices, you don't have to listen to, and we all have them. And I don't know if this ever happens to you. I find that a lot of times when I'm meeting a friend personally and talking one-on-one, I am my authentic self. I feel so comfortable and I just enjoy the conversation and I love learning and sharing and engaging with people individually. But then I find that all of a sudden, if there's a room of people, more than one person that say 15 people in a big party, and I may only know one person or perhaps no one, I think about it and I go, what is wrong with you? Like I'm a totally different Mm -hmm. person, like how I behave, I don't feel comfortable. And they can't really see that my true self because I'm not feeling it. And I don't understand why I can't figure out how do I get past that? Do you have any tips for that in terms of being your authentic self in a situation that maybe doesn't seem as comfortable for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. My thought is to always go back and connect to the body. So I think sometimes our minds can get rehearsing stories and they can start going down these paths in our minds. And then when we connect to our body, that can bring us back to the present moment and back to ourselves. So whether that's the breath, everybody, we could use our breath. A lot of people don't connect to it. So even in that setting, if I'm in a group setting and I can feel myself my brain start to go down that rabbit hole that you're describing. I get back to my breath, feel in my body, even if my heart is racing, if you can feel that. I heard once that your body cannot live in the past and it can't live in the future. So your body is always in the present moment. Our minds can go to the past and our minds can go to the future. And that's what creates the anxiety. So that's what I would say. When I work with my clients, that's what I remind them too. It's gets emotional when you're decluttering. But if I can bring them back to their breath in this current moment and not think about everything in the past and the memories of this and not think about what I'm going to miss if I throw this out, that's kind of where the magic happens. I love your point of how our minds can live in a different place, but our bodies cannot. And the uh, key here is present. It's really important for us to learn from the past because the past is a guide. For example, if we touch something hot and we burn our finger, we know that when I touch something hot, it hurts. So I probably shouldn't do that again. So we learn from it. We shouldn't dwell on it. I mean, if we dwell on the past, then that doesn't seem to be a very useful way to address our lives. And so being in that present, moment is so critical. And like you said, I find that when I'm talking to my clients as well, helping them, I position verbiage to say, what do we want to keep rather than what do we want to throw away? Because in their mind, they seem a little more relaxed knowing that I'm not going to force them to take something out that has meaning to them, but I want them to understand that they really need to start thinking about what they value. Yeah, I do the same thing. You can't focus on what you need to go and you can't just go in there and say, we need to get rid of all of this. I most definitely do have that same strategy in working with people. And then, yeah, as far as holding on to the past, we do and we need to treat our past and learn from it. I think that's the biggest key is that everything happens as a lesson, good or bad. If we can look at the past as a teacher, that's probably the best thing we can do. And then I think one thing that a lot lot of people don't really understand too is when something in the past happens and it triggers a strong emotion that ends up getting stored in the body and so I've learned this through a a lot of work in the past few years but releasing that can also help to get you unstuck. 
So it's, it's something that it, it happens, some kind of traumatic event or something happens in the past and we hold on to it. We only hold on to it in our bodies and then that creates the repetitiveness of these thoughts that keep going. So there's ways to let it go in the body too, but it's getting a lot more research and a lot more attention these days, the connection between the body and the mind. We talked a little bit about how awareness plays a key role in starting the process. We need to decide where am I at this moment and what am I thinking and how am I behaving? And that awareness will then help us address it. Do you have any things that you come across that might help our listeners go, okay, I'm aware of it now? And then take that next step. What are some key things they can do to address the issue? One of the things is to just calm the brain down and calm that mental chatter. And one of the ways you could do that is meditation. And there's a lot of different ways that meditation can work. And then you can start to become aware of you're seeing those thoughts. You're not judging them, but you're seeing them. And you can meditate while running. You can meditate while doing all kinds of stuff. It doesn't have to look like what you may think sitting in Lotus. That is what I think in terms of awareness is how is it making me feel? If we're focusing it on clutter or hoarding, you know, having the awareness of, am I uncomfortable in my house right now? If so, let's really sit with that and figure it out. Don't try to distract yourself from it. I think that's where the awareness can come in. And once you make that an intention, then you could just follow your thoughts and really start to become aware of how you're feeling about it and not denying it and not distracting yourself with all kinds of other things like shopping or social media or eating. Not having those distractions and just sitting with your feelings is a good place to start. The thing that I find happens with people is they want something because they're dealing with a particular pain point, or perhaps they have a desire to achieve something, but then they put it off. And a lot of times the reason they put it off is because they feel like it's just overwhelming or it's not achievable, or maybe they tried it before and it didn't work. How do we get past that? What's the process we can start to look at so that we can say, this is important enough. It may not be exciting, for example, to declutter. I would rather be going to a concert. But we know that it's such an important pain point and has impacted our lives in a way that we really don't want. And so then how do we change our mindset to say it's worth doing this now because think of how this is going to impact me long term? Yeah, that's good. I mean, yeah. you you talk about procrastination. And yes. That, that's so, I know. Yes. So hard. And sometimes I think procrastination can be fear. I think that a lot of things are masked as fear, I have found. So even procrastination. So it's getting in touch with that. It's really taking the mask off of fear and getting to the root of what you're afraid of because it's it's usually in there somewhere. So, and that's why I kind of talk about hoarding fear. Fear can show up in all kinds of different ways. And so I think that procrastination is just another form of not wanting to face some type of fear. And that's different for everyone. So that's kind of my advice to that. I don't know, you might have better advice. What do you, I'm wondering what you tell people when they're procrastinating. I honestly just try to help them envision what life would be like if they were able to achieve this thing. What you and I do is not something people wake up going, oh boy, I can't wait to do this, right? Because it takes so much effort and it takes concentration and physical and mental energy to get to it because you think about it. It took a really long time to get 
cluttered. Yeah. Now we're trying to unclutter and most of our clients want to do it overnight. They want the product of what happened through years of effort to have to be undone in a day or three days or whatever. Yes. And so it's that instant gratification that they're looking for and they want it done quickly. But at the same time, it's not anything that they really get excited about. They're excited for what they know is going to happen after it's finished. But the process itself is not anything that people come to me and go, oh, I can't wait to do this. It's right. Yeah. So then how do we help them get a sense of what it would feel like? So what I personally like to do, I like to start small because if I could show them that one space can be transformed in such a small period of time and help them see what that feels like, yeah. then I build momentum. Then they get excited about it. Yeah, that's funny. So as you're talking, I'm laughing because it brings us back to our business days when yes. we were in this group. And I'm thinking of the big why. And really, that's probably the biggest thing that I work with is like, why? Why do you want to declutter? Is it because your family is forcing you to do it? Because if that is the case, then I usually don't get good results because fighting something and battling something usually is not the best way to embrace it. But to get to the bottom of your big why, that usually is a good reason because that'll get you out of bed. It will in business and it probably will in declutter. Jennifer, you absolutely <laughs> hit the nail on the head. That is amazing. Yes, that is exactly it. Because if you're trying to achieve a goal and it's not something that's in your heart, like you're not buying into it and it doesn't have meaning to you and you're not excited to get there, yep. then you're most likely going to just keep setting it aside. Yeah. And you're setting yourself up for failure and yes. for struggle and for battle. And it shouldn't be that way. So like you're pointing them into the direction and the vision, but they got to have that themselves. In life, you can't put your vision into somebody else. It's hard. You have to have that for yourself, your own big why. Don't you feel that timing is a big thing too? Because there's only so much you can say to a customer. I mean, even though when you're talking to either a friend or customer, anyone who needs your help, when you try to explain to them why it's so important, at the end of the day, if they're not ready, there's no amount of words that you could say to them that's really going to get them started. However, if they can experience it in some way, in baby steps, if they can feel what it's like to finally not live with that pain, then all of a sudden their minds open up and they're like, oh my gosh, why did I take so long to do this? Yeah, with my clients, I help them focus on themselves first and not judging themselves and not feeling bad and not condemning themselves and calling themselves dirty and shameful. And like, that is not the place to start. So if you're there, you kind of have to make that shift and start to really do some self-care work on that side of it before you can even go through the process. Because if you're not healthy or in that right state of mind, sometimes we do it in situations that are dramatic, but it's always better to have somebody in a better state to be able to focus on cleaning up. Do you find that some people, when they call you and they say, Jennifer, I really need help with this, they are almost ashamed to have you in or they feel like they have to do some cleaning of their own before oh, they're even able to get you in? Yeah, oh, it's quite this, interesting, isn't it? Yes, and this culture is rooted in shame. Um, so many people, you don't even have to be hoarding to be shamed. And that is the heart of my mission is to get that out because I've just been doing it for so long that and it's just a huge topic of shame and how people judge themselves, much less how society judges you. 
It's the own self-judgment that will really hold people back. And it's an awful place to live. And most people, I would say, when you just said, uh, when we get a call, I would say 90 to 100%. They're ashamed and they're embarrassed and they're afraid. And it breaks my heart. And that's why I do what I do. And that's probably why you do what you do. But I see so much that that is kind of like the deeper universal meaning and my message is to help uncover that shame and get beyond it. It's holding a lot of people back. And I didn't realize this until I started talking to people and they would say, yes, I need your help. And then they would say, give me a week because I need to clean my space. And I'm just <laughs> laughing going, no, the whole point is for me to come in and help you with where you're at. Uh, you don't have to impress me. And yet they're worried about having a clean space for me to come and declutter for them. And then the other thing too, is that I find that it's really critical to teach people how to live this new way rather than do it for them once and then walk away and then they revert back to their old habits. So it's really helping them understand too what caused it. Could it be a circumstantial situation? Could it be something that they've always had to deal with their whole lives? And then from there really trying to understand what systems work for them so that then when we teach them and help them kind of adapt to this new way of living that they can maintain it. Don't you agree? I agree. I think maintenance is key. And I think we never, ever stop growing and learning. And it's a lot of inner work. It's a lot of process and systems that you can develop for organization in your home. But at the end of the day, too, it's also staying on top of your own needs and your own self-care. I think that that inner work is just as important as your systems and the process to do like, what do you do when you have mail come in the home? Those are all good and good tips and techniques, but walk into a home after somebody's been depressed for a year, it looks like hoarding. And I just feel so bad because it's not that they're attached to this thing. It's that I've been laid out, depressed, and I didn't want to take out my trash. That's probably more common. And so and people don't see it because they hide from it, but it's a big thing. So take care of your inner work, your inner self and your external will be better too. What kind of resources do you like to refer people to? Are there any maybe articles, books, or people that you like to listen to that change your way of looking at things that might help our listeners? Oh, that's good. I mean, in terms of business, the last few books that I read, and I think this is all personal, personal preference, and I think timing of where you're at. But I did read The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. And that was wonderful because he really is a phenomenal businessman who co-founded WebMD, but he also had this more spiritual connected to his higher self. So that book was unbelievable. Brene Brown, of course, where I sit, all of her work she's done on shame and judgment. She's another person that I, uh, I love to listen to and read. Those are some from the business standpoint. And again, I think it's all personal preference. All of us are in different stages of our lives and, and where we want to be. And so things resonate with us depending on where we are at that moment. Really what it's all about, it's sharing and helping each other move forward. It is. And that's how I view it. When somebody tells me to read a book, like if I'm meeting with someone and they tell me to read a book, I take that as like guidance and I read it. So that's usually how I pick my books. It's solely based on recommendation. 
Yeah. And don't you find that when somebody makes a recommendation, it just happens to be the perfect book at the perfect time. I don't know. It's like they just happen to tell me, read this and then I read it and I go, oh my gosh, I was thinking about that exact thing. This is awesome. Yep. That's right. That's exactly right. Do you have an inspiration that drives you to do what you do? Yeah, I think at this stage in the game, as the world is the way it is right now, I think that be the change you wish to see in the world resonates the most because I think we can sometimes get down the rabbit hole of being hopeless just because of the nature of our culture right now. And in the line of work that I do, I see a lot of mental illness I see a lot of trauma and I see less than desirable situations and I can sometimes go to the point where I maybe feel hopeless. But if I can do the small things and be that, because I think that's the only place we start is individually. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Jennifer. It's been fabulous to catch up with you and I look forward to meeting up sooner than it took us to get together again. It's awesome. I know. Thank you. And I'm glad I got to be a part of this in the beginning and I can't wait for years down for you to have me back. I would love it, Jen. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for being here. All right. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Live Blissed Out. Thanks for listening and thank you to Jennifer Hanslick for joining me today and for sharing tips on mental clutter. Join us again next week for another informative and motivational show. Please visit liveblissedout.com for access to all our podcasts and resources and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you find value in our show, please leave an honest rating either on the website or on Apple Podcast. Plus, if you haven't done so yet, Join our Facebook community at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash LBO podcast. It's a great place to engage. So long for now. And remember to keep moving forward.